I usually say it's there are like three aspects for a successful uh, you know product launch, and one is the distribution, one is the technical aspect, and the third one is the underwriting aspect. Well, if you're listening to this in the Northern Hemisphere, the clocks will have gone back and the days are getting shorter. But of course, if you are one of our many listeners from the Southern Hemisphere countries, then you've someone to look forward to. Lucky you. Now, we may be broadcasting from London, but more than 50% of our listeners these days are from outside of the UK. So I'm delighted you can join us wherever you are and whatever the weather. Matthew Grant here, one of the partners at Instec London. And if you're a regular listener, you will also know that we're covering a lot more these days than just InsureTech. In fact, we're fascinated by every company that is pushing the boundaries in the use of data, analytics and technology, big and small, in or out of insurance. And by the way, thanks for all the great feedback from so many of you who have saying how useful you're finding these. Please do let me know what you think, LinkedIn or Matthew at instec.london. Now, part of the reason we have been so successful in what we're doing at Instec London is that we are supported by companies both building and using technology, and we speak to many of them very frequently. Today's guest is from one of the giants in insurance, or more accurately, I should say, reinsurance. Swiss Re was founded in 1863 and today is one of the largest reinsurance companies in the world. It has long been known for its use of technology and data and was an early supporter of reducing the impact of climate change. So we're delighted to have them as a corporate member. And Gianni Biasson is at the heart of what Swiss Re is doing. So let's hear from him directly. Gianni, delighted to have you joining us today. You've got a very wide role uh, with one of the largest reinsurance organizations in the world. So uh, we're going to have a challenge covering all this in, uh, in the time we've got, but really looking forward to it. So you're head of property and specialty solutions at Swiss Re. And the way you describe that, I see, is developing and bringing to market innovative reinsurance products with various insurers globally. So we're going to understand a little bit more about that. You also head up Parametric Solutions. So really intrigued to get your view on what's happening in that space. But just, I guess, in your own career, I noticed you started off as an aviation underwriter. And we're not hearing much about aviation from an innovation point of view, hearing a lot about it being grounded. But do you still sort of follow what's happening in that space? Yes, uh, Matthew, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I do. I was uh, more than 20 years in aviation. I did underwriting in aviation. I developed a product, and that's where it all started, which was a parametric product, which was a flight delay product, and which brought everything together, all the buzzwords that you that you want to have, basically, large data, because data quality is, is excellent in aviation. You have a machine learning uh, capabilities and uh, and parametric as well. So in one product, uh, which was a flight delay product, which is rather a niche product in that sense, but we brought all these capabilities together. And that was sort of the starting point to digitalize and bring the digital aspect to to parametric uh, products, which were in the market already. I I did not uh, reinvent the wheel there, but we just brought a a different dimension into it. That's really interesting. So you are one of the early leaders in flight cancellation coverage. I don't know whether it was I was the uh, you know first one. Well, I would say yes. Probably in Europe, yes. In China, it was common, but it was not combined with uh, you know an algorithm that actually calculates uh, you know the flight delay probability of every single flight in the world. And this is what we did. So we used the big data, access to the big data and the available data to to make proper underwriting. And this is basically the areas that we 
uh, that we focus on also on the property side and on other special lines. Excellent. Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. So just so really interested in, in what the role actually is. So have you got an underwriting function in there or are you primarily looking at helping your, the organization build new products for your clients? Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, they waived my underwriting authority. I had the highest underwriting authority in aviation. But since I moved uh, into, this, uh, into this new role uh, that was uh, three years ago, then they took it away. So it's not an, it's not an underwriting role. So we have underwriters. So we have the, our colleagues that are involved in the development, obviously, as well. And they look at the underwriting angle, but I don't have underwriting authority. So building new products, and that's an insurance definition of products, Yep. for looking at ways of covering your clients. So um, we talked briefly about parametric. What other types of products would be examples of you know, what you and your, your colleagues or team are, are looking at? There are different dimensions how you can look at it, uh, right? You can either look at it from a client perspective. How do we support clients? And so it basically, we help them to improve the technical combined ratio, if you want. We either help them on the cost side, we help them on the, on the premium side, or we help them on the losses side. Uh, so this is the client view. The other view is you can say, well, you know, I look at the value chain and, uh, and I look at from the very beginning on risk assessing to quoting to claims, uh, right, to automatic capacity, uh, et cetera. So depending on, on the dimension that you use, uh, there are different views. My preferred dimension is pre-event, during event and after event. Pre-event, during event and after yeah. event. So the pre-event means you're looking at sort of reducing the risk. Uh, yeah, so the prevent is like risk assessment, everything that happens before. It can be risk surveys, risk assessment, understanding the risk, but also designing products that potentially cover these protection gaps that are in the market. So this is the prevent, yes. Okay, and then and then during the event, what, how would that link? During to event is uh, is something that we are looking at, for instance, with with the public sector uh, unit as well, which is a disaster management. You know, immediate uh, response uh, to people in need. This is basically what during event is, and we see a lot of insurance companies now entering in this space where the insurance industry historically was always very strong in the pre-event. It now moves into the during event and, and post event as well. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, there is that whole area of sort of rapid response. Obviously, the quicker you can get out to people that are suffering from an event, the, the, the more you can reduce the, the impact. And I guess that sort of links into something else that I know is very important for Swiss Re and your colleague, uh, Ruta, Mr. Skyti, mentioned, which was this whole idea of partnerships and how you work with companies. And she uh, she mentioned a couple of large global Fortune 500 companies. But you know, how, how does that work when you've got these large organizations? And I, I guess as a you know, Swiss Re, you have less of a broker relationship. So you can probably work more effectively with companies like you know, these large organizations. Uh, but how, how do you so typically engage with a, a large Fortune 500 company? Well, first of all, it's not that we are less involved with brokers. I think our broker engagement is actually rising. So it's not that we are, you know, either this or that. Uh, we, we work with both, uh, you know, the, the whole uh, industry in, in that sense. Um, well, the, the cooperation with corporates is simple. We just ha- hope that, uh, you know, one plus one is more than two. So, and every, every um, partnership is slightly different. So what does the corporate bring to the table that, uh, you know, adds to our capabilities that we have? And that can be a simple distribution network. It can be, uh, you know, some technical capabilities. It can be some IT capabilities. It can be, 
you know, remote sensing, satellite images, whatever, that is maybe not available within Swiss Re, and we feel that is, is very important for us uh, and for our clients, which are mainly insurance companies then as well. So it's not only about partnering with uh, external companies or in that sense, non-insurance related companies, but also insurance related companies. So it's both. You are, sorry, you are finding suitable partners for your clients, bringing them together, and then that's sort of providing that support to help in those areas. Sometimes it's just for, you know, for the sake of developing something that we know is a client need. And then uh, you either co-develop with insurance companies uh, or you, you develop, you pre-develop and then you discuss, you know, the development with our customers, uh, et cetera. So again, every corporation is, is slightly different. Okay. And there are there any examples you can talk about just to, to bring that to life? Only the ones that are officially known, right? Uh, like the BMW, there, there was just one that was announced, uh, I think, a few days ago, which was uh, the one with Daimler, mm-hmm. uh, which is slightly different because what they what they created uh, that was that's not in my team, but you know, in uh, with my peers, what they created is an MGA together with Daimler, right? That looks at uh, at automotive insurance, but it's not an insurance carrier in that sense, and they use the risk score that Swiss Re has developed, uh, you know, uh, to make driving better and to consider and to give uh, credit also to to you know the, the drivers that drive in a in an appropriate way that's actually really interesting because it's part of that distribution question and you and you want to come back and talk a bit about the brokers in a, in a minute but you're going closer to the end customer i guess it's almost like embedding the insurance if daimler has got the mga and you're providing the capacity behind it you know from the customer's point of view it's an almost seamless transaction. I think we're going to see more of that. You know, obviously, Tesla's been out there looking at doing that. And just want to pick up on that point about the analytics and modeling. I mean, Swiss Re, certainly from my background in the catastrophe modeling area, was one of the companies that built its own tools. I think you still do uh, and use those alongside the proprietary tools. But is there a shift either towards doing more yourselves, you know, albeit with sort of partners providing some of the data and analytics, but ultimately Swiss Re is building the tools? Or do you see a shift towards working more with other organizations, just given that you know, there are more and more companies now providing analytics and uh, access to data and, and analytical power is, is getting cheaper? Is there a sort of shift towards buy versus build and how you think about that? I'm not sure whether there's a shift. There's certainly an openness to work with external partners, and that can be large corporations, but not only. I mean, we work also with with smaller ones. You know, uh, offer certain services on on niche products. You know, there are pros and cons. Obviously, whether you build something or you buy something, uh, right? And every reinsurer has to make their own decision whether they think it should be part of their DNA or whether it should not be part. It's also a question of whether they have the budget to afford it, to have a, a team running this, right? These are not uh, cheap resources, obviously. We at Swiss Re definitely see the power of using uh, internal data and models, and and uh, and also the power of combining it with external partnerships. On that point, then, if you're looking for partners to work with, are you bringing in early stage companies uh, yeah, and helping them incubate? Or are you, do you have a preference to work for sort of more established companies that you can bring into the business more, more quickly? It depends on what, they, what capabilities they have. Smaller companies are usually more agile or quicker in the market. Uh, maybe there is uh, more of a reliability on, on larger corporations, but not the same agility. And it depends a bit on how quickly you need something and uh, you know how, how important speed is. What I usually say is there are like three aspects for a successful uh, you know, product launch. And one is the distribution, one is the 
the technical aspect, and the third one is the underwriting aspect if, if it's about insurance uh, products. And I think we we can offer a lot of the underwriting aspects. We see a lot of companies, also startups, that are very strong on the IT aspect, and there are other companies, maybe more established companies, that are very strong on the distribution aspect. And so, you know, the mix is probably the best thing of, of the three. And uh, there's hardly any company that offers the three all in one. Yeah, that's actually a really helpful way of describing it. So that's, make sure I got that right. So that's the distribution, the technical analytical capability. And then the third one was the underwriting yeah. skills. Uh, and then on that question there about helping companies earlier on, do you, do you run an incubator or you have ways for people to come and get support from Swiss Re in the early stages? Generally, we are very open. Uh, we have an innovation portal for, you know, for people to have ideas. Uh, so uh, ideas are coming in uh, from external, from internal. We have certain focus areas. We are preparing the communication to, you know, to highlight what the focus areas are. Obviously, my focus areas in my team is more the underwriting side, which is uh, based risk assessment, underwriting costing, but also claims as well. And so we focus on these areas and then we actually, you know, uh, we go through the markets and see what capabilities are available, which startups offer what, what is the best link and where can we combine forces. So just digging into one of those, I know that supply chain or looking at the risks with supply chains is one of the themes that SUSRI is focusing on. Uh, and also within that interconnectivity and understanding the, the movement of risks from one, one place to others. And that's certainly been a challenge for many insurers over the years. And I think we've seen you know, some of the, the surprises that come out from losses such as the port explosion in Tianjin in China in, in 2015. Are you seeing new technology that's coming out to be able to help to get a better understanding of those types of movable risks and the interconnectivity of the supply chain? When you look at the value chain, so one of the dimensions that I mentioned at the beginning of, uh, of, of this podcast is uh, we are actually in the process of evaluating the exposures. And, and I think COVID-19 has, is, is a very good example on uh, how is it has uh, exacerbated uh, this topic. If we start to look at things uh, also through a sustainability lens, including uh, proprietary data and uh, also the biodiversity and ecosystem services that we that we just announced, you can start to draw some connections there. I think it's it's challenging, but it's I, I definitely see an opportunity there. Yes, I'd be interested again in some specific examples of what you're doing or who you're partnering with in, to get better a better understanding in that area. I give you a concrete example. So, if you take the sustainability angle, uh, you know we have created an index that is called Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services Index (BES). Index, which is something that you can see on our CatNet tool, and I invite people to actually apply for it, uh, and because it's for free, it's available for free until the year end. And uh, the, the BES index uh, is a holistic uh, view, and it works by aggregating different categories like uh, water security, timber provision, food provision, pollination, and so on. An example, for instance, is the protection of coastal properties in hurricane or typhoon-prone areas. Uh, by mangrove and coral reefs. The index offers the possibility to assess how intact coastal ecosystems are in a given location. And, uh, and in conjunction with our property data that we have in, in CatNet, uh, it provides uh, you know, insights uh, on the properties that uh, they protect. So you see that the biodiversity and ecosystem service has a, a direct link to, uh, you know, to property risks that are in certain areas that, uh, that might be exposed uh, even more than we thought a few years ago. Oh, very interesting. So, so you're essentially aggregating different data sources, and then yes. the, is the idea that for insurers, 
they can then use that as part of assessing their own portfolio. Is that is exactly? That okay. That's exactly, and that's why I'm saying this is at the beginning of the value chain. I don't think we are there yet where we actually have, you know, a final product yet. But we are still trying to understand, you know, the interconnectivity uh, of the various exposures and how they are dependent. Uh, you know, critical infrastructure is another example, for instance. So, how dependent are certain sectors uh, from critical infrastructure? Uh, you know, what happens if uh, if there's no water supply? What happens if there's a lack of energy? And these things, I think, uh, we have to understand first. And, and, and I think this is the first step. Are those available through an API so that people doing their own analytics, they can tap into your, your BES? Yeah. So, yeah, so there is a web user interface that you can use, so you can just access it and, and, and see it. Or there is also the API uh, connection as a as a as a solution, so they can integrate it into into this. So some uh, you know a lot of clients already have that. They just now receive this additional uh, layer here that we we've just built, and and others uh, might might have it uh, in future. I hope. For anybody that's not familiar with Swiss Re, you, you know, over for decades you've been putting out a lot of very very valuable free information. Always a great source of data and it, yeah, it's, it's great to hear that moving to the next level so we'll put a link to that in the the episode notes and then another theme i know is important for you is quantum cities and looking at resiliency i sort of at some level like that makes complete sense and I understand it but from an insurance perspective insurers and you, know, you as a reinsurer would we tend to be looking at portfolios of risk so how, how does that link between what you're doing at the city level to the the, the total sort of risk assessment that you you would want to understand as part of underwriting and overall portfolio management. Yeah. I mean, quantum cities is something is a topic that Swiss Re our Swiss Re Institute is working on, and at Swiss Re we have actually a whole team, and and this is uh, like a, you know a team that has been there for you know several years uh, that is dedicated to working on a municipal level, and and we are on the solution side developing new solutions we work very closely with them. So in in theory, what you can do is uh, you can have you know, a parametric product that that helps you covering certain protection gaps that maybe for people that do not have access to to insurance uh, products. Then you offer a disaster management during the event. When something happens, you connect to uh, data sources and you inform the clients uh, accordingly. And post-event is like an immediate payout to families, SMEs, whoever is in need. Well, good. I'm glad you mentioned parametric because I did want to come back and, and talk a bit more about that, particularly that yeah, that's one of the areas you're looking after and, and Swiss Re has been a leader in that stage. For those that are not so familiar with this area, I think people sometimes overlook the fact that your parametric insurance or parametric indices have been used for decades now on the large catastrophe bonds. They've also been used for weather derivatives uh, and you've know, been used in other areas like life and health where if you lose a limb, you get a payout based on a, a limb. It's a rather gruesome concept for parametric, but it's sort of, it is parametric. Uh, can you, can you talk a, Johnny, a bit about what's happening at Swiss Re is when you look at you know, look at parametric. You mentioned one example there, but how do you sort of divide up the the world or the lines of business where you see the best opportunities for parametric insurance going forward? How we look at things is usually we look at the protection gap, and we see why is there a protection gap. Where the protection gap gap is, we more or less know it. But why is there a protection gap? Is it because uh, you know sometimes it's because it's too expensive? Uh, sometimes it's because it's not accessible. Sometimes it's because it's not worth for the insurance companies to offer it because it's too too much workload or too expensive or whatever to to handle it, especially uh, especially on the claims side. So we don't see parametric 
this moment in time as a, you know, that it's not going to replace the traditional indemnity-based insurance products, but uh, we feel that it's a, it's a very good add-on to actually reduce the protection gap and basis risks that even are there in indemnity-based uh, insurance policies like exclusions, uh, deductibles, etc. So, as you mentioned, it was a B2B product, uh, uh, you know, in the past, but with the digitalization, I think we are moving into the B2C uh, area as well. There are certain hurdles uh, that we have to overcome, and one, for instance, is the, the regulatory part, and we work very close together with regulators uh, to, you know, uh, to show them uh, and demystify a little bit uh, the parametric products. Yes, I suppose on the regulatory side, I mean, I can think of at least two areas where that would be a potential issue for regulators. One is making sure the consumer understands what they're actually taking on. And then the second one is that it's actually it's an insurable coverage as, as opposed to some kind of gambling. I mean, there needs to be a, yes. needs to be a loss connected, doesn't there, to the parametric insurance. And, and so in that protection gap, I mean, there's a, there's a whole range of different areas that covers from uh, the, the losses from natural hazards, there's the emerging economies, but you also get into some of the, the new asset classes or you know, the intangible assets, such as cyber being the most obvious ones. Can you talk a bit about how, when, you, when you look at what's happening in that area and in some of the areas you think are going to be the most fast growing uh, and exciting in the next few years? I mean, where, where do you see that happening across either those areas or maybe some other ones in there that you like look of? A lot of areas, honestly. Uh, I think non-damaged business interruption is certainly one, not just because of the COVID now, but uh, but just in general. I think there are there are some great opportunities there in terms of digitalization, in terms of coverages, uh, simplifying it for smaller um, companies. Climate change is is obviously a, a big topic for us over the last thirty years. But I think the effects of climate change are, are evident. Uh, you know, you have a warmer average term temperatures, rising sea levels melting ice caps, you know, longer, more frequent heat waves, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and then you have the interaction of human activity as well. But it's also, it can also create some opportunities. So the non-damaged business interruption, or NDBI, we're hearing about, yeah. what would be an example of the type of index and trigger that could be used for a payout in that area? Due to an earthquake, you may have SMEs that suddenly have a drop in footfall, and it's usually not something that you can quantify that much, and that makes it a lot difficult, a lot more difficult. Uh, so the claims process is obviously uh, tedious, and uh, and I think that's where parametric is is, is definitely a, a simplification that is uh, to the benefit also of the of the insured uh, and the insurance company as well. We heard from Mastercard recently; they've been looking at their records on payments and, and aggregating them out. So I'm not looking at them at the level of an indiv- individual, but certainly break them down by geographies. And so if you, you're one of the areas they're looking at is exploring, can you create an index based on reduced number of payments? Because that kind of correlates to lack of foot, footfall, which could be triggered by an earthquake or, or something else. Um, and then, of course, COVID-19 is a big you know, topic for everybody just now. And pandemics in generally... What are you seeing in that space? The COVID-19 is a systemic risk, right? Uh, it, it's the, the cover is not under my team's mandate. So we are not, we, my team is not working on that. Uh, but what uh, this pandemic showed is the fact that these covers uh, need to be carefully underwritten. And the whole industry is on, on the journey, I think, of understanding and covering it. And this is very similar to cyber risks. A pandemic doesn't slow down modern nature. So we need to work on faster and safer ways to support 
people holistically. Uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, our main uh, raison d'être, if you want to say it like this. And then just coming back to the climate change piece, now, Swiss Re, as you, you mentioned, yeah, has been one of the leaders in, in climate change. I remember it's probably going back over, over 10 years now that there was a policy for Swiss Re people traveling that they went to go to a business meeting. They always had to see more than one person or one company when they, when they travel. Yeah, so you, you're very visibly one of the leaders in that. And I know invested in it quite heavily. But when you look at climate change for parametrics, it is, so clearly that creates more events, more losses. But is it also part of this, the, the traditional ways of modeling are no longer so relevant because you know, catastrophe models and other types of natural hazard models tended to have relied upon looking back at the past. And when you get into a more volatile and active climate or frequency driven by climate change, is that also part of what's sort of driving the parametric indices because it just creates a, a simpler way of linking the loss to, to the payout? Yes and no. Uh, climate change has an impact on on all uh, on various fronts. What we did uh, now, we we published a climate risk score. Or we are developing a climate risk score. For instance, our CatNet tool now shows also, you know, some drought areas as well and, and the heat waves, uh, obviously, that have an impact. Uh, so again, that's one side. The other side is the severity. So. There is also also this human aspect uh, to it, right? And and the combination between the human aspect and the climate change makes it difficult to distinguish: is it that now caused purely by climate change, or and what is the human impact to it? So the urbanization is obviously something that has a huge impact on on the severity of losses as well. And understanding these these interactions, that's I think that's really the challenge there. You can already in you know create a parametric product that is. You're covering you for heat waves or cold temperatures, right? And we have uh, we have done some analysis on on this one as well, uh, also using Mastercard data that that you said to to look at what the correlation is. Uh, climate change has an impact, but it's not the only impact that it has. So there are some human factors that that, that impact, in particular, the severity of of losses as well, and that can be not underestimated. And then, but I guess it's also the challenge you have is this one about how to price it and model it if the environment is changing and i mean it seems like from my experience that the, the insurance industry until probably the last year or so was really looking at climate change as more of a long-term issue and therefore didn't directly try to incorporate that into pricing but now we're seeing things like the more frequent and devastating wildfires in california and, and flooding around the world that it's actually starting to be something you start to need to understand from a year-by-year basis for pricing because it starts to you know, it does start to shift the the probability I mean, is that is that also where you're you're looking at and actually how to sort of get more almost like dynamic pricing is that sort of viable based on what you're seeing the signals in the in the, in the climate change or are we still really looking at a, quite a high level of uncertainty and got to take a longer longer term outlook climate change as such is a longer term outlook anyway you know, you're looking at a, an aspect of 20, 30 years, uh, right? And uh, in these days, when you know everybody's based, everybody's basing their figures and their projections on one year, one year planning figures and one to five year maximum, it's really difficult to come up with a product that you know will will, will help you to calculate it appropriately for the next 50 years. You have to take it into consideration, yes, but it's not something that changes on a real time basis. There are real time uh, factors that we take in into consideration uh, that's uh, that's for sure 
But I think climate change is not really the one that we would promote it to our clients to, to use real-time data because it will not change real-time. It will change over the, the period of, uh, of several years. Johnny, I've asked you a lot of questions, but is there anything that else you'd like to talk about that's happening at Swiss Re or, or is coming shortly that we should be looking out for? No, I think I, I, I mentioned everything. We are working with our insurance uh, you know, clients and brokers and, 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 and the corporations and feel free to contact us. We are very open uh, to discuss uh, any issues you may have uh, and uh, any problems we can solve together. And uh, if we can help to make the world more resilient, then uh, even better so. From a practical point of view, if people do want to know more about your contact, you include the website, but are there other people or ways into the organization that you would point people to? Well, uh, if they are interested in this, uh, you know, in the visualization of perils, as I, as I mentioned, our CatNet tool is probably the best tool that, that we can offer and the best solution. And there I would just send an email to catnet at swiss3.com. I'm going to go off and take a look at that. Uh, and then finally, just a, a personal question for you, because I'm always intrigued you know, by people like yourselves who've got, you know, working for a large organization, got a lot going on. The world is changing very quickly. I mean, what techniques do you have personally to keep up to date with everything that's happening and identify the areas and companies and topics that you need to know about and you know, build into your own business planning? Well, I think the beauty of Swiss Re is that I luckily have uh, units that help me to keep up to date and we have tools in place that keep me uh, you know, up to date and, and filter a certain disinformation uh, overflow, I would always say. But um, uh, luckily, I also have a, a great team that helps to flag opportunities and they know where their responsibilities are. They're experts in that one. So they, they obviously all are connected to, to the various uh, information sources. And, but I, th- I have to say, uh, you know, listening to podcasts uh, like this one in our partnership with Instec, uh, you know, certainly helps to uh, maximize my time as well. Excellent. Well, I mean, the joy of listening to podcasts is you can do something else whilst, whilst you're listening. And I, I'm sure people listening to this will be off there running or cycling or mowing the lawn or whatever. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great to be able to use that time constructively. Well, Johnny, it's been great to talk to you. Really appreciate your support for Instat London. And you're very much looking forward to at some point yeah, getting to see you face to face and you know, catching up with all the great things you're doing. But yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Matthew. So really fascinating what is going on at Swiss Re. I thoroughly recommend you check out the incredible resources they offer for free on the company website. And if you want to learn more about parametric insurance, which we touched on there, you can find it in our report, Parametric 2021, available from the website. Swiss Re also features in that fairly frequently. Now, this interview is also available in summary form on our website. And if you do like what you're hearing, then please do spread the word. Like everyone else, we are fully digital just now at Instec London, but still reporting on the things we think will be important and running weekly events, as well as our advisory work and introductions. You can find out more of what we're up to at www.instec.london or contact me, Matthew Grant, directly on LinkedIn or matthew at instec.london. <laughs>